I'm going to tell you guys a story tonight. But before I start that story, there's just two quick things I have to tell you. First of all, in this story, we've got the Israelites and we've got the Arameans, right? And these are two enemies, and they have been at war for a really long time. That's thing one. Got it? Good. The other thing that you need to know is that on the Israelite side is the prophet Elisha. And now Elisha in this story is also known as the man of God. So when you see man of God, when you hear that, don't be confused. It's Elisha. Got it? Great. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. So the man of God, Elisha, spoke to the king of Israel and sent word to him, Beware going through that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on that place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king of Israel so that he stayed on his guard in those places. Now this enraged the king of Aram. And so he summoned all of his officers and he demanded of them, tell me which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But uh, the prophet Elisha in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. We'll go find men and capture him. You know, just find out where he is so I can capture him. And so word came back that he was in Dothan. And so the king of Aram sent horses and chariots and a really strong force all the way to Israel. And they came by night and they surrounded the city. Now, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out the next morning, he saw that an army of horses and chariots had surrounded his city. Oh no, my lord, he said, what shall we do? Don't worry. Don't be afraid, said Elisha. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed, Open the eyes of my servant, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked. And there he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the army was coming towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. And he struck them with blindness, just as Elisha had asked. And Elisha said to them, this is not the road, and this is not the city, but follow me and I will lead you to the man that you're looking for. And so Elisha led them all the way to Samaria. And now when they got into the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and there they were in Samaria. Now, when the king of Israel saw all this, he came to Elisha and said, Oh, shall I kill them, my Lord? Shall I kill them? Don't kill them, said Elisha. Would you kill those that you have taken captive with your own sword or bow? set food and water before them so that they can eat and drink and go home to their master. And so he held a great feast for them, and when they were done eating and drinking, they went home to their master. 
And so it was that the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. 2 Kings 6, 8 through 23. Wow. That's a weird story, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's like really weird. Like a lot of strange things kind of happened in there. Like I don't know if you were following, but kind of weirded me out. And personally, that's kind of why I love it. It's, it's weird, and I love it because of that. You see, like, for one thing, I love that king of Aram because when he finds out that someone knows all of his plans, that Elisha can sense everything that he's going to do and, and ruins his plans, he thinks, oh, well, okay, then I better make a plan out loud and go ahead and carry that out and try to capture him. I'm sure that'll work. Dadoy, why did he think that was going to work? He already knew everything that was happening. Another thing I like is the king of Israel at the very end. You see, the king of Israel is in the story at the very beginning, and then he just kind of disappears from the story. But then he comes back at the end, and he gets up in Elisha's grill, and he's just kind of like, hey, can I kill them, man? Can I just kill them? I mean, it's kind of this weird thing, almost like he's some little preteen boy trying to blow up army men with firecrackers or something. I don't know. We've all been there. I like it for all those reasons, but many more. Um, it's truly one of my favorite Bible stories, and I think beyond just that weird stuff, there's some really cool, important stuff for it that I want to address, but I'll get to that momentarily. So, tonight, we are continuing the BLESS model with Eat Night. Now, I don't know about any of you guys, but like the first time that you saw the blessed model graphic, did your inner dialogue go a little bit like mine? Here, I'll show you. Mine went like this. It's kind of like, okay, bless. Yeah, great. So we got B, begin with prayer. Oh, yeah, awesome. Prayer. That makes super good sense. Like prayer, obviously. Okay, L, listen. Oh, yeah, I got to listen to God. Got to listen to people. Very good. Okay, E. Uh, e? Oh, that's it. Did they get that? Oh. Oh, okay, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah eat, right, because carbs <laughs> and sugars. They always say, they, they say, don't eat sugars, but you need some. You need some sugars. So, yeah, eat, right. We got to do that. <laughs> okay, maybe it was just me. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, featuring eat as one of these major steps in the BLESS model might seem, at first, like a strange, kind of simplistic thing to do, right? And on one hand, it, it is a very simple idea. You know, we want you guys to take your times of eating and use that as an opportunity to grow in community with people. Sharing food is super nice, and it's an easy way to get close with someone. You can have a nice conversation, have a nice meal, learn something nice about each other, and it's all very nice and good and nice. But let this be a warning to you. Don't let yourselves be deceived into thinking that that's all I'm talking about tonight. Because there is more. There is so much more to this eat concept than meets the eye. So at this point, I want to go back to a bit of our Bible story here. Uh, what initially has always struck me about this story is all these times that Elisha is praying over the idea of sight. You know, first of all, he's praying for his servant to, to be able to see, and then he asks for God to blind the Arameans, and then he turns right around and has them see again right before they eat together. And that's always just seemed so interesting, all this stuff with sight. And I guess the one that really gets me is when he's praying for his servant's eyes to be open. You see, the story never says that the servant was blinded or anything. 
In fact, the story says that the servant was the first person to notice that an enemy had surrounded the city. So why would Elisha need to pray for him to see? Well, turns out the servant winds up getting this brilliant vision, this vision of horses and chariots of fire surrounding the city, surrounding that army. And I think that tells us that Elisha wasn't just praying for his servant to see this stuff in in a literal sense, in a physical sense. Elisha was praying for his servant's eyes to be opened on a deeper level, on like a spiritual level. And then lo and behold, his eyes were opened and he looked and then he could truly see the reality before him. You know, I think a funny thing about where we live now is we live in a time and an age and a culture where we all like to compartmentalize our lives, which, which is a fancy word for saying we like to keep our certain things separate so that we can make sense of it all. Like, for example, um, over here is my work time, and then over here is my leisure time. Or, this is how I act with my family, but then this is how I act with my friends. Or, this is, this is my secular fun night out music, and this is my music for worshiping. And speaking of worship, I do it here in this church building, and I pray here, and then when I leave, I just kind of, you know, whatever, go about life. But what if I told you that all of those compartments that we form, that all of those different separations that we make are just kind of made up in our heads? I mean, what if I told you that we serve a God who is intimately, masterfully weaving his way through every single aspect of our lives? Whether we realize it or not, I mean, whether we even want it like that or not. I mean, what if every moment of every single day was an opportunity to interact with the divine? Because here's the thing. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's so true, and yet, here we are, so often, not believing it. Why don't we believe it? think we don't believe it because we're blind. You see, every every day we get blinded. We get blinded by all these different things. We get blinded by self-obsession and pride and pleasure and media and apathy and all these crazy things coming at us from ourselves, from other people. Um, It's all coming and it's blinding us. And then we convince ourselves in our blindness that what we can see is reality. It's like what Carter just talked about. Lies get told to us, and we're convinced that they're truth, and we go out into life acting as if that's the reality in front of us. Like that's all there is to see. But I thank God that there is more going on in our lives in every moment than we could ever know. Uh, Last week, I received an email uh, with a story in it from Carter. Um, The story is from a girl named Morgan. I don't even know Morgan, sorry, but she said that we could share this tonight. So thanks, Morgan, if you're here. I'm not sure. Um, But anyway, she was attending a church service, and she and her friend were praying together. Her friend was going to lead in the church service. And then she said that this happened, so I'm going to read it for you guys, and I think they'll have it up on the slide too. So this is what Morgan says. Jenna led worship for the third song, I See Heaven. I noticed she looked extremely joyful, but I didn't think much of it and went on worshiping in my own world with my eyes closed. In the middle of the song, I happened to open my eyes and I saw one of the most incredible sights I've ever seen. There were six angels around Jenna in an arc shape, 
And they were human-like and glowing white with rainbow colors as if I was looking through a prism. And they had wings. And they were hovering around her, almost as if creating a shield to protect her from the devil and her fears. God's miraculous movement doesn't stop in the Bible stories, you guys. Like, this kind of stuff has happened, is happening, and will continue to happen. You know, even though we'll never see all of it happening, it's like sometimes we just really have to take the effort and look. Because the more we're truly looking for God's work in the world, the more we'll see, and the more we'll see, he might just bless us with those little glimpses of his reality going on. And so anyway, this brings us back to the end of our story. Now, we've got the Arameans, and we've got the Israelites that tricked them, and they're all in this one place right now. And so surely it's time for the ultimate battle, right? There's going to be blood and gore and death, and they're going to fight until someone dies. Or they share a meal, a feast. These lifelong enemies sit down and dine with one another, and then the Arameans return home to their king. Now, okay, okay, right, they return to their king, but it's just so they can, like, plan out the next attack, right? Like, that's what, you know, battle mind. (laughs) That's not what the story says. It says the feud ended right there at the feast. I mean, why? Why did it end there when they shared a meal? You know, these were long-standing enemies with some serious issues to hash out. Like, okay, so imagine, let's say, Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders decide, hey, we're going to go get some Wendy's together, right? And so they go up and they order, and of course, uh, Donald gets the, uh, the triple Baconator because it's huge, and it reminds him of his towers. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then Bernie steps up, and he's got that little senior citizen keychain thingy, and he's like, I'd like a free chocolate Frosty because everyone's entitled to free chocolate Frosties forever. I might eat at Wendy's a little too much and watch political things too much. But 20 minutes later, they hash things out and they're on the same page. Every single issue, just like, yep, we agree. That's good. That doesn't seem to just happen regularly. And you know what? I think it's because back in that Bible story, there's much more going on at this feast than just a little whining and dining. Much more. And Elisha knew it all along. You say they didn't call the prophet Elisha the man of God for nothing. I think that God had his eyes wide open to everything for that whole story. And he knew that if he somehow got the king of Israel to hold a feast for his enemies, God would do unimaginable things through it. He looked and he saw that God could use a meal to heal and restore and unite people, physically, spiritually. And so that can be for us. We just have to keep our eyes open and we have to look. I think this kind of gets, I think, I think we just, we should have seen this coming, to be honest. This whole ending with the feast, we should have known that it was there from the start. Because, I mean, God has used that before, right? God has done some serious work before sharing a meal with people, right? I mean, after all, isn't this bread 
somebody's body broken for us? And, and isn't this cup someone's blood poured out for us? And isn't it our duty to then receive those things and do so in remembrance of that somebody? I think it kind of gets summed up in a quote I have here for you guys. Um, so this is, this is Sufjan Stevens. He's a musician. He's just like one of my faves. I saw some hands. Whoop! Um, <laughs> But he's a Christian, and he's got some really interesting thoughts on faith and Christianity. And so this is what he said in an interview, and I just, oh, I love how it goes. Okay, so he said, what's the basis of Christianity? It's really a meal. It's communion, right? It's the Eucharist. That's it. It's the sharing of a meal with your neighbors. And what is that meal? It's the body and blood of Christ. Basically, God offering himself up to you as nutrition. And that's pretty weird if you think about that, but... Really, fundamentally, it's just about a meal. So tonight, when I, tell you, when I tell you guys to eat, I'm not just telling you to share a meal because it's a nice community-building exercise. I'm telling you to eat because God has invited you to the table for a meal that never ends, for a meal that always satisfies, a meal that heals and restores and unites. For God is doing immeasurably more behind the scenes of every interaction and every decision and, yes, every meal than we could ever know. I mean, it's hard to believe that with our tiny, media-saturated, self-obsessed brains. I know that gets really difficult, me included. And in times of darkness, you know, this campus going through this right now, it's, it can be really difficult. And you can block it out and you can try to tell yourself lies, but in the reality, there is a truth out there stronger than all of the death and darkness and lies. And it's going on in our midst as we speak. So maybe we just need to look and, and, look and try to see that maybe the feast has been before us this whole time, just waiting for us to come. So take, eat and drink with family and friends and newcomers and outcasts. Take, eat, and drink. In your meals and your classes and your meetings and your jobs, take, eat, and drink in your thoughts and in your prayers, your beliefs, and in your doubts. Take, eat, and drink. But do so in remembrance of him. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes. We are your servants, Lord, and we ask for our eyes to be opened so that we may see. So that we may see your horses and chariots of fire covering the hills. So that we may see your angels defending the weak and weary. So that we may see the feast that you have laid out before us. Teach us, Lord, what it means to truly receive what you have given us so that we can join in this meal together. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, there's gonna be a couple minutes of reflection. And so I invite you guys to just reflect a little bit on your sight. What might be blinding you right now? You know, what... What's keeping you from seeing the truth, from seeing that feast in front of you?